Hi, and welcome to this podcast special as Lady Justice, Women of the Court, pays tribute to the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm Justice Beth Walker of the Supreme Court of Appeals of West Virginia, and I'm joined today by my friends, Justice Rhonda Wood of the Arkansas Supreme Court, Chief Justice Bridget McCormick of the Michigan Supreme Court, and Justice Eva Guzman of the Texas Supreme Court. We can't very well call ourselves the Lady Justice Podcast without discussing the recent passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. As the second woman on the United States Supreme Court, she was a role model and mentor for literally thousands of lawyers and judges. I know we all love her famous quote when she was asked, when will there be enough women on the US Supreme Court? And she responded, when there are nine. But Justice Ginsburg's influence went far, far beyond being a female judge. She was a model of civility and graciousness. Legions of Supreme Court clerks and others tell stories of her kind uh, and thoughtful gestures. One of my favorite stories about Justice Ginsburg and Justice Antonin Scalia was relayed on Twitter shortly after her death by Justice Scalia's son, who told a story he heard from Judge Jeff Sutton. And I'm going to read what uh, was posted on Twitter. It's a story as being told by Judge Jeff Sutton. During one of my last visits with Justice Scalia, I saw striking evidence of the Scalia-Ginsburg relationship. As I got up to leave his chambers, he pointed to two dozen roses on his table and noted that he needed to take them down to Ruth for her birthday. Wow, I said, I doubt I've given a total of 24 roses to my wife in almost 30 years of marriage. You ought to try it sometime, he retorted. Unwilling to give him the last word, I pushed back. So what good have all those roses done for you? Name one five four case of any significance when you got Justice Ginsburg's vote. Some things, he answered, are more important than votes. Unfortunately, I never got to meet Justice Ginsburg, but I know some of my friends have. So now I'll ask everyone to chime in with their memories or comments about the Lady Justice who came to be known simply as RBG. Chief Justice McCormick, would you want to start us off? I did have the honor of meeting Justice Ginsburg. I think it was 2014. She was visiting the University of Michigan Law School where I um, continue to teach each year. And so I continue to have an affiliation with. And the law school always does its best to get uh, Supreme Court justices to come visit for a few days. And they do, um, they visit some classes, they do some university-wide appearances. Um, and a couple of smaller um, meals with faculty. And I, I was uh, lucky enough to sit next to her at a lunch um, at one of those meals during her visit to the University of Michigan. And she was absolutely lovely, curious, um, uh, thoughtful, um, wanted to know a whole lot more about what it's like to run for office to become a justice, um, since that wasn't something that she ever had to do, because in the federal system, they don't do that. Um, and we had a wonderful conversation. I have a, I ha I have a photo from that lunch that I treasure, um, and I posted it on my social media. And if any of you saw it, you can you can see that I look basically like the jolly green giant next to her because um, 
she was so teeny, mighty, of course, but teeny. And it makes me look like the most enormous person you've ever seen. And I think I'm kind of average. So I don't, I don't, I, I want to, I want the record to reflect that. That's awesome. So I'll jump in and this is Rhonda from Arkansas and um, Justice Ginsburg, I think in one of her last really big lectures, she came last September to Arkansas to speak at the Clinton School of Public Service. And it really showed her sort of widespread appeal because she initially was going to come speak to, I think, just a couple hundred and they ended up moving it and it was like a rock star. She came to our arena where we hold rock concerts and they ended up limiting it to 13,000. And I think there were 20,000 on the waiting list. And um, the, they shut down traffic in Little Rock. The whole downtown was shut for um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, um, speech and massive sellout. And, but I'll tell you that one of my favorite stories that resonated with me as a mom is she told a story about um, when she was a working mother and um, that she said she had a son that was, her son was particularly, she said, lively. Um, she said the school called him hyperactive and that the school called her at least once a month because of his antics. And she said that um, finally the school called with one antic and said that he had loaded all the kindergarten students into the elevator when the school wasn't paying attention and had taken them to the top floor um, and moved them to the top floor of the school. Of course, this was, you know, Brooklyn or New York. And she was working on a brief. This is, I think, when she was teaching um, at Columbia. And she was sort of exasperated with these multiple calls. And she told the school, and if you can imagine, you know, in her very, you know, quiet, small voice, but as Bridget says, mighty. And she said, listen, this child has two parents and I would appreciate you alternating calls between his mother and his father. And it's his father's turn. Call his father and tell his father that his son stole the elevator. And so she explained that the school called her husband and her husband promptly went down and addressed the elevator crisis. And the reason she told this story was that after that and her sort of putting her foot down with the school, suddenly the calls sort of dissipated and they only got calls about once a term. And what she said was it wasn't that her son's behavior improved, it was that schools had to think harder and be more deliberate before they called and interrupted a father from his work than a mother from the work. And that hit home for me, for me because I had the same experience or so sort of bonded from the audience because when I was working mom, the schools called me endlessly and not because my children were always in trouble <laughs> because they're going to listen to this. Um, but I remember that they called me all the time and they never called my husband. And I remember one time I went to, they would call and the nurse would say, you know, do you think your child's too sick to be here? This is the symptoms. You think you should come get them? And I worked in a different city. And I had to drive 45 minutes in to get my child from, you know, the school. And I looked at the nurse and I said, why are you calling the lawyer mother 
instead of the doctor father to assess whether the child is ill. And it was the same sort of thing that suddenly the nurses stopped calling um, and stopped calling me and sort of slowed down and started sort of assessing the child on their own. And so when she was thinking that and saying that, I was sitting there with my son and I thought, you know, I hope my son gets the calls. Um, you know, things didn't change from her mothering to my mothering, but I hope that, you know, my son, whose wife was pregnant and in the audience, that I was like, I hope that he gets the calls instead of his wife as I was listening to her and sort of proud of her um, in that moment and thinking about, you know, careers and working mothers. So, um, Eva, I don't know what, if you had a story I, this is Eva Guzman. I didn't have the, the privilege of meeting Justice Ginsburg, although I did um, listen to her um, speak at a couple of events. But like so many in our country, um, throughout my journey as a lawyer and then as a judge, um, I just grew to admire her courage in life and in law. Um, we've all benefited from her advocacy as a lawyer, particularly women and, and women of color, her advocacy as a justice, um, and really just aspired to emulate her, her thoughtful writing, her bold spirit, her love of life, her appreciation for the arts, but importantly, I think for all of us at this moment in our country, was her ability to form strong friendships across the political aisle. Now, I didn't get to meet Justice Ginsburg, but I did um, share an anchovy pizza one once with her uh, dear friend, Justice Antonin Scalia. No one would, no one at the table would try the anchovy pizza, but I did because, well, it was Justice Scalia. Um, but truly, um, Justice Ginsburg's legacy um, on civility is one that can, I think, can inspire um, generations of lawyers because it, it really shows us that we can find common ground as human beings, despite our political differences or, and, you know, even differing judicial philosophies. Um, it, I think that... Um, when we're facing this civil unrest, this political discourse, we learn from her that civility doesn't preclude passionate advocacy, but it does require us, particularly I think as judges and as lawyers, to cultivate an atmosphere of mutual respect for each other uh, as professionals. And that's what um, her example and her friendship with the late Justin, Justice Antonin Scalia uh, really shows us it's a I think the it's a microcosm of the legal profession. You have ideological opposites. They sit side by side, sharing spirited but civil debate. Um, they were the legal odd couple, and she was, um, and I think will always be for for many of us uh, the notorious RBG. And I'll close with this. I was struck by what she said about that. In 2019, she gave a speech at the University of Buffalo, and she said, if I am notorious, it is because I had the good fortune to be alive and a lawyer in the late 1960s. Then, and continuing throughout the 1970s, for the first time in history, it became possible to urge before courts successfully 
that equal justice under law required all arms of government to regard women as persons in equal stature to men. And I think that is um, the legacy. She will always remain, I think, an inspiration for generations of lawyers. Thanks, Eva. That was beautiful. Uh, and everybody's little tribute to uh, Justice Ginsburg. I'm glad we got to talk about that because it gives me chills to think about uh, what she's accomplished and what uh, really how we stand on the shoulders sometimes of the women who have come before us. And she is certainly one of them.